Inshallah, we'll pick up the Surah Al-Safa today. It's actually a very um, sophisticated Surah that really demands a great deal of exertion on our heart and reflection to really you know, appreciate the deep oceans of this Surah. So it's actually a very challenging surah because of the incredible richness of it and the depths to which you can go when you really use your mind and your heart to really extract the deep lessons of it. Uh, it's a surah that comes right after Surah Yasin. And in Surah Yasin, if you remember at the very beginning, um, Allah Azza wa Jal took an oath, you know, Yasin al Quran al Hakim, took an oath by the Quran that the Prophet is God sent. And the oath that Allah took in Surah Yasin spoke of the Quran as what? What was the attribute, the key attribute that Allah highlighted as, as belonging to the Quran? Hikmah. That this Quran will teach you, will convey wisdom. Not any you know, wisdom, divine wisdom. From Allah Azza wa Himself. It's an attribute of Allah Azza wa Himself. Within the surah, we'll see manifestations of this incredible hikmah of Allah Azza How Allah teaches is amazing. How Allah teaches is amazing. We oftentimes associate learning and teaching by reading a book, listening to a teacher. Allah's book, the teacher, who is Allah ultimately. Allah is the teacher. He's, even one of his names is Rashid, the one who shows, who guides, and who enlightens, and hadi. He employs everything in the heavens and the earth to teach us and impart this wisdom to us. But it demands someone who is open to this journey of learning with Allah in the name of Allah, Bismillah, right? And once you contemplate the signs that Allah introduces to you, He'll take you to these deep oceans, the bottomless oceans of infinite wisdom that you can walk around in this journey of Allah with His book, and within creation and extract and derive unimaginable hikmah and lessons. And here's one of those surah. Within each word you'll find, subhanAllah is an ocean. Just as the rest of the Quran, but subhanAllah, this surah really can touch you deeply about what? Now, I'm going to summarize the theme and you'll think, oh, this is a theme that I've heard before. But wait until you see how Allah conveys this theme in this surah. This is a surah that came in the Meccan period before the triumph of Prophet Muhammad <coughs> took place. And it's going to deliver a powerful prophecy to the Prophet which actually in itself bears witness to the truth of Allah. Remember also in Surah Yasin that Allah said that this book is revealed from Al-Aziz Al-Rahim, from the uniquely powerful, mighty, and the merciful. It came to deliver this firm message 
gentle, merciful, but also firm message and make definitive statements, firm statements about the future and convey the strength that no ordinary man can convey. How would a Prophet who is so like you know weak in Medina, in Mecca, excuse me, he is so weak, you know, he's a minority. How does he stand up with such firmness, such confidence, some such resoluteness and deliver powerful mighty verses that speak of, of, of very intense uh, uh, first of all consequences and faith for those who are rebelling against Allah Azza that speaks of prophecies that came true. How did this man who lived for 40 years as an ordinary man, yes, noble, yes, trustworthy, rise to make such definitive, powerful, firm statements? No one could have done this except Allah, and it's evident that there is a hand behind it. There is convenience. So Allah says, Al-Aziz, the one who is really mighty. So within this surah, we're going to find this might, evident, signs of the might of Allah, Allah will speak with of, of his own nature. In fact, the very end of the surah contains few verses that we've all heard, subhanAllah, at the end of du'as, and we're actually supposed to say them at the end of gatherings, in which Allah Azza wa Jal says in the last few verses, and you need to memorize them, Subhana Rabbika, Rabbil Izzati, Amma Asifun, wa salamun ala al-Musaneen, wa alhamdulillah rabbil what does Allah say? At the end of the verse, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm from the, from the end. Because it really sums up the surah. Allah says, Subhana Rabbika. I know that we don't really appreciate this, this expression, Subhana. We'll talk about it shortly. But Subhana Rabbika, flawless is Allah, perfected is Allah. Allah is perfect, flawless. And He's asking us to, to declare this. This is really the summary of, of, of the message of Islam. To really not only know that Allah is one, but really appreciate His perfection and flawlessness. That we don't attribute any deficiency to Allah, any human characteristics, any poor judgments. He's perfect. He's above. He's above. He's infinitely above any thought and conception we have of Him. No matter what we think about Allah, it's still imagination. It's not real. Let alone now attributing condescending derogatory attributes. Just as some people have said, Allah has, God has, daughters, and they're the angels. And this surah that they referred to the angels. Oh, how awful of an attribution to Allah. So Allah says, subhanahu rabbika, perfected or perfect is your Lord, your, your nurture, rabbik, rabbil izzah. The Lord, the God of Isa, of, of, of might and, and, and dignity, nobility, above everything they attribute to him. Peace be upon his messengers. And indeed, full gratitude and full praise belongs to Allah the nurture and the Lord of the worlds. These Two statements sum up, first of all, faith and our understanding of Allah. SubhanAllah, I'm declaring He's perfect. And not only am I declaring His perfection, I'm so aware of it as a servant of Allah that I'm adoring Him. Because I see His perfect beauty, His perfect power, His perfect mercy that I'm compelled in my heart to what? Adore Him. When you appreciate something, 
when you adore its qualities, you start to what? Praise it. That's why they're interconnected. SubhanAllah and Alhamdulillah are very interconnected. And they're really supposed to make us reflect. Allah puts them at the end of the Sunnah. So the Prophet said in a beautiful hadith about um, this very thing that uh, indeed, man arad Allah, man arad an inal al ajra bil maghfirah, yom al qiyahati fayyatu awakhir al surah, bi akhir al majlis, awakhir surah al sahra. Whoever desires forgiveness of Allah, whoever desires the forgiveness of Allah on the day of judgment, let him or she recite the end of Surah Al-Safat after every gathering. So actually when we gather, when we have a conversation with someone, if we're really trying to comply with the heavenly order, if we're really trying to align ourselves and harmonize ourselves with the will of Allah and be among His best servants, we're aware of Allah, we actually should say these three verses or we're encouraged to, see, to say these three verses at the end of, at the end of every gathering. <laughs> What is, again, the statement? Perfect is Allah. Above everything they describe, peace upon the messengers. And indeed, we adore and praise Allah Azza wa Jalla. He deserves all gratitude. Subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rabbi al-Azza wa Jalla. Wassalamun ala al-Mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. We'll come up and remind, inshallah, each other at the end of this session to say this and memorize it. But why again did I start with this? The end of the surah summarizes the surah. It's a declaration of the perfect power of Allah, the perfect oneness of Allah, the perfect unity of Allah, and he's asking us to acknowledge it and declare it night and day. And now that this surah becomes a revelation, um, uh, a surah that reveals to us mysteries from the divine order of Allah that came as an outcome of this light and power of Allah. And these Mysteries of Allah revealed in this surah are going to teach us something that is also another theme of the, of the Quran. So the first thing we spoke about, the perfection of Allah and His unity, His oneness, His perfection. The other thing that is so connected to the Quran, you're going to see throughout the Quran over and over, and we tend to simplify it and not understand some of its deeper dimensions that Allah is going to reveal in this surah through very intriguing means is the notion of evil. Notion of evil. So Allah makes a prophecy here. Remember when I said that the Prophet made firm statements? And the statements were evidence of him, of him being a messenger of Allah because nobody could have made such strong statements. And what did he also make among those strong statements? A promise, prophecy, the triumph, the triumph of good over you, for sure. And you're going to see this theme throughout the Quran. We know that Allah promises that the evil the wickedness, the falsehood, no matter how triumphant it looks, at the end, it shall be overcome, for sure. It shall be frustrated. It shall be sorted and cleansed out. It's a thing deeply interconnected to the Quran. Allah affirms it in this surah, for sure. But what he's going to tell us is this. There's two fascinating things here. He's going to say, what is it going to take to frustrate evil? So evil, for sure, Allah de declared it's going to be cleansed out. Do we actually have that, first of all, awareness? Conviction as believers in the word of Allah. If we really believe in the word of Allah. Do we have the deep conviction inside of our hearts that at the end of the journey, all evil without exception, all falsehood, all hypocrisy, all wickedness, all oppression, all injustice, 
will end once and for all. Conviction. It's part of our faith. No doubt about what Allah says. But then Allah is going to tell us, show us signs, teach us signs in, in these mysterious, beautiful way of how to frustrate this evil and be a part of the machine, the instrument of the heavens that can duly defeat it. If I were to ask you today, how would you defeat evil? What would you say? We have our own notions of how to defeat evil and frustrate it and overcome it, right? Allah's going to lay out for us a system for defeating evil that I swear we today desperately need. We need it within our families. We need it within our community. We need it as an ummah. We need this surah so much because it presents the perfect, perfect strategy, heavenly divine strategy, right? System, in fact. Perfect, complete system for defeating evil. SubhanAllah. And Allah guarantees it. So it's not just a surah that merely makes a prophecy that, oh, don't worry, Allah is going to take care of all of this. Sure. You know? No, no, Allah is going to be super detailed in the surah, not by telling you one, two, three. He wants you to use your mind and extract these deep lessons. That's why it becomes a very special indeed surah. Another thing connected to this notion of evil, see Allah is going to also tell us that here's the system, here, here are the, the tools that you really need to defeat and overcome evil, that you witness and observe in your life and throughout history. Here's how it's, how it's going to happen. He's going to also invite us within this argument, within this very same argument, to say who are really those who serve as the soldiers of the heavens, as the one. The instruments and the soldiers of the heavens that are part of this unified system, perfect heavenly order, who are really interested in overcoming this. It's actually an invitation. This is a powerful invitation to belong to this very special company, heavenly company of creation. And it's not just humans. We're going to see that. They're not just humans. Who work constantly, night and day, to overcome that evil. As part of the divine, unified plan of Allah. So it turns out that it's Allah's plan, perfect plan, perfect system, perfect purpose, right? To defeat evil. Allah could say to the thing, be and it is. We've seen that. You know, we need to understand this as Muslims because sometimes we come up with ridiculous <coughs> judgments and statements about Allah. Allah says at the end of Surah Yasin, interconnected surahs, right? When Allah wants something, when He wants something, done. Done. No time. Allah sits above time, right? So, all what we do in our lives is just witness the manifestations of Allah's will. But how does Allah manifest His will? It's not just in a blink of an eye, otherwise life is over, right? In this realm of time and space, He created means and instruments to execute this will, to execute the divine order of Allah, right? The plan of Allah takes place over time in our realm, even though it was what? Be kun. This kun of Allah, right? These two letters of Allah, when He wills something, it's done. In our creation, it takes place like over time, like a movie playing out. See, all the movies contained in what? One little tape, right? Right, nothing. But when you play it, how does it play? Two hours, three hours. 
You say, well, it's, it's right there. It's, it's bits of, of information contained within a ring. And now with digital media, right, you can put up that little tiny chip. All that is in this tiny, it's already happened, it's done. But when you plug it into the system, it plays out as a what? As a full documentary movie, think of life that way. We think Allah's waiting to execute orders. We're waiting for Allah to defeat evil. Done. It's all done. We're just living the manifestation and the playing out of Allah's deed. Cool. Can you imagine that? And then within this system of creation, Allah presented to us, created means, angels, clouds, earth, humans, to carry out this very kun, to make it play out. And we're witnessing it and we're living it. Otherwise, it's what? A dot, less than a dot to Allah, and it's already happened. Done. Allah has no future. So we're going to now see how Allah Azza wa Jal executes, creates a system even within the heavens for us to learn lessons from, to know how to overcome this evil, and to be assured by Allah in this very sooner, it's done. That evil is out, is defeated, it's expired. But now the invitation to you and me is, can you now follow the divine order to be able to be among those, to belong to that company of people who are really in the process, who are honored and noble in this, in this mission of overcoming evil and what? Promoting the heavens, the kingdom of the heavens. That's a special invitation. How does Allah begin this surah? Allah begins it again by law, just as he started Surah Yasin. Yaseen, wa Qur'an al-Hakim. Here he's going to take an oath by something. Every single time we took, we learned this from Rasa. Every single time Allah takes an oath, pay attention to the object of the oath. The thing he's swearing by is your teacher. Make sense? Okay. Before we say, we explain this oath. Well, Safat is Let me just translate it quickly. And then I'll make a comment again about oaths because it's very important for you to understand. Well, Safat is Safat. Allah says this. The ones by the ones that arrange themselves in ranks. By the ones, it has now multiple translations, that scold with intense scolding or that check and hold in restraint. Whatever that is, right? Then, continue to describe the same thing. The same thing. The ones who recite the remembrances. So three things, qualities of one thing that Allah is describing. And he's taking a note by this. And he's telling your mind and my mind, think about these things. You're going to learn, have an infinite encyclopedia of knowledge from these three things that Allah swore by. Or these three qualities of one thing that Allah swore by. And then he says... Now, by these things that I just took an oath by, what's the statement? What's the what's the claim? What's the truth that, I'll, that the, the one taking the oath is seeking to assert? What is it? I swear that oh, I, went, I went to uh, the gym yesterday, right? What is that thing that you're trying to you know, prove? Inna That indeed Allah is one. That He is Rabb, the Lord. The nurture of the heavens and the earth, and what is in between them, and the Lord of the Easts. Now, here's what's interesting about this. Again, if you remember what we said in Surah Yasin, 
When I, a human being, make an oath, I want to make you believe me. So I'm making an allegation, a claim, and I want you to really believe it, but I don't have, you're not believing me. I don't have proof for you. I might think of proof, and you're like, eh, you didn't do that. I didn't live 300 pounds. You're like, ah, I, somebody saw me. They're like, they're liars. And then what do you say next? Because most of them, you're hoping that they believe, at least to be a believer, they say, well, I'm lying. Wallahi, and then you like put more emotion to Wallahi, Wallahi, I lose the other pounds. I'm like, all right, like, maybe you're a liar, but mm, you're both a liar. You know the implications of that? We cannot swear about Allah lying. Like, this is not a joke. Not a joke. That's all you sometimes ask people who really, really understand the seriousness of this. I'm like, no, I'm not swearing. Right? Because they know it's not a joke. Once you take that off and you know, that you're lying, you're in deep trouble with Allah. You just involve his name in something, an empty allegation. Wow. And then, you know, think about the, the, the consequences of this. If I swear by Allah and I'm lying intentionally, what are you going to think now every single time you hear the oath of Allah? That's not real. We start to belittle the oath. We say night and day over nothing. So suddenly when it's invoked, it doesn't mean anything. Allah wants us to really attach incredible meaning to it. Take it so seriously. It's a trust of Allah. It's a gift of Allah. So he says, don't use it like that. That's my name. Really attach it to something of seriousness. But at the end of the day, when I make a note as a human being, I'm not able to produce evidence for your conviction to validate my claim. So I'm invoking Allah. And I'm asking you to believe that I have a witness. Allah is my witness. Please believe, please believe me. When Allah takes an oath, he doesn't do that. Because he's Allah, right? So every oath that Allah takes, the oath itself, the thing he swears by, itself bears witness to the truth of what he said. Make sense? So Allah actually gives you the argument to him. He actually produces the evidence. It's usually an argument. It could be a prophecy. It could be a sign that teaches you. It actually points you to the subject of the oath. Make sense? So as if I'm saying, I swear, but Allah, that I've lifted the 300 pounds, and now suddenly I show you huge muscles you didn't see last week. You're like, you did lift the 300 pounds, right? Because I'm like, yeah. So I'm swearing by Allah, but I'm also producing the evidence. See this muscle? Was it there last week? You're like, no. I've been working out. And I'm lifting more weights. I produce the evidence, the argument. You cannot negate that unless you want to not see Every single time Allah takes an oath, he does that. He doesn't leave us wandering in the dark, nor the oath itself. Now, what is he swearing? That's what's fascinating. In Surah Yasin, he swore by the Quran. He says, if you look at this Quran, the power of this Quran, the impact of this Quran, you're going to derive what conclusion? That indeed the Prophet is God sent. He cannot produce this. Just Reflect on the impact of this Quran on the, on the people that it touched. Impossible that a human being came up with this. So he's already arguing with you, presenting you, you know, the argument. But indeed, the Prophet is God sent, and he shows us how. He gives us the evidence. Here he says, the ones that arrange themselves in rank, the ones that scold and 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 restrain and hold something in check. And the ones that recite the remembrances of Allah, he's taken an oath by them. So he's telling you what? Based on what I just 
sharing with you that this thing that I swore by bears evidence to what? Namely, Allah's law. So what is he talking about then? So that we can reflect further and really see that these things are evidences that Allah is one. As he's the nurture, not only one, the nurturer and the Lord of the heavens and the earth. The evidence is in these things. What are they, Allah? So the commentators have said, this could refer to a number of things. These things that are raging, in Sultan Rack, these things that are so serious and intense, they, they, they hold themselves in check, restrain themselves, and they restrain something else and scold it. That's their mission. And also another attribute of these, this creation of Allah is that it constantly recites the remembrance of Allah to itself and other creation. So what do you think they're talking about? Allah's talking about? The comment they said, most likely Allah's talking about the angels. Some said about the wind, some actually said about human beings, but the majority of scholars have said this is a reference to the angels of Allah. So Allah's swearing by his angels as a creation. And he's telling you, if you really understand angels, and remember how Allah created means to execute his commands? Angels are among that creation that executes the commands of Allah. Not that he needs them, but Allah is a creator. And part of being the creator, Al-Khalaq, is to create. Allah is, is constantly creating. Constantly creating. He needs to create constantly. because is Allah. Otherwise, how is he God if he's not creator? Right? A part of his creation is this perfect order, assembly of the angels that he swears by. And he says, if you learn anything about how the angels work, and the evidence of that is in front of you, right? I mean, you don't see them, but this creation, and he's assuring us of this, is being carried out by the commands of Allah through the service of the angels. That as we understand you know, they drive the wind, they bring down the rain, they protect and guard the human being, they record our deeds. As Allah did all of this, he can, he can do everything with code, right? He doesn't need that, but it's part of Allah creating and using means to execute his orders. So what is he describing as doing? Here are the three qualities, and they're incredibly amazing. He says, first of all, these angels of Allah, that you don't see with your eyes, but you see the evidence the outcome of their work in your own life, you see it, you witness it, you live it, you're guarded by them without you even knowing. He says they arrange themselves in what? Perfect ranks. As soldiers in an army, lined up like in battalions, small units, small battalions of an army, waiting to what? To waiting for the command of Allah to execute it at a moment's notice. They're constantly doing this. And none of them is out of line, which indicates perfect what? Order. Perfect cohesion. Perfect what? Also, so there's another word that we bring into this kind of, uh, you know, kind of whenever we speak or reflect upon, you know, order and cohesion, we think of another word that is essential discipline, right? They're so disciplined because Allah made them as such. Angels are part of the divine order. They're part of the heaven, isn't it true? The high assembly. Allah describes it as the exalted assembly of the heavens. So he's giving us a glimpse into what? Pay attention to this. It's a very important theme of the surah. Allah in the surah is giving us a glimpse, a view into a world we cannot see with our eyes. And he's describing to us how it looks. Why is that important? Our souls come from the heavens. 
is this realm that we're in, this world, temporary or, or permanent? Temporary. So what is the real realm? Is this the real realm? Allah says, no, it's actually this, this the hayat of dunya, it's called the lower life, is not the life. He actually says, it's not the life. That the, the, the abode of the next world, the heavenly world, is the life. So when we want to learn about life, who should we pay attention to? What, to what prosperity is, what joy is, what success is, how to really live life. We shouldn't be looking at this life. We should be looking at the perfect life there. The perfect order, the perfect assembly, and see what really the ultimate good is. It's all captured in the heavens. So the heavens themselves, even when we think of heavens, we think of purity, goodness, and all, and all these things, right? So Allah's telling us, I'm giving you a view into the heavens and how they work, and the creation of the heavens and how they work, because they capture the perfect definition of goodness, beauty, order, design, and they're also going to teach you how to cleanse the system. Because the, per- the world of Allah is clean. It's very holy. There's, is there evil in the heavens? There's no evil whatsoever. It's constantly repelled. It cannot even find a foothold in the heavens, like a, a, an inch, square inch foothold in, in, the, in, in the heavens, or even breathe in the heavens. It's ejected automatically. That's the divine order of Allah So this is actually good news. Allah is telling us, by the way, evil is foreign. Evil is not part of the what? The natural order. Evil, even our tendencies, wicked tendencies, is not natural. It's deviant. When we say deviant, it means it's not natural. It's got to getting off the path. That's really what it means. Right? You have your natural fitrah. Right? The natural inclinations that are really coming from the heavens. They're, you're endowed with these beautiful qualities from the heavens. Then we decide out of our will. Allah gave us this will. <coughs> he gave us this will to choose. We can choose to belong to the heavens in our choices. Or we can choose to what? Lower ourselves from the heavens. When, when Adam set up, was distracted by that one tree. He made a choice. And Allah taught us. What happened? He was ejected from where? You cannot exist in the heavens of Allah. And, and, and go against the commands of Allah. So he's teaching us, he taught him and taught all of us, Allah listen, listen. He's saying, listen, in the heavens, there is no such thing as disobedience. There's no such thing as evil. There's no such thing as wickedness. He's just teaching us, Allah said, how with one thought, a whisper, which was triggered by a whisper from the shaitan, Allah allowed it to happen to teach us a lesson. And Adam ended up eating from the tree he wasn't supposed to eat from. That one happened. And he wasn't evil, right? It was all intention. He just was, was misled and misled himself, him and Hawa. And they ate from the tree, but as a consequence, thrown out of hands. Lost it completely. And now he has to undertake a journey to get back. How do you think you get back? By realigning yourself with what? The natural order of the heavens. The natural conduct of the heavens. So who's going to now teach us about this? Allah. To what example? Angels. And he is now going to show us how this evil is overcome, is frustrated by the behavior of the angels. So he's telling us, who should be your teacher now? The angels should teach us what? How to frustrate evil. So all of us discuss these issues, right? How do you overcome evil? Allah in this one is telling you, look at it, pay attention to the angels and how Allah made them 
and how they work. And you're going to learn incredible lessons from the angels, of not only about the divine order and the perfect system of the heavens, but also about how to live your life and be connected to the heavens and really frustrate you. You cannot stop belonging to that special army and the special company of the servants of Allah, whose mission, as used by Allah, is to overcome you. An honorable opportunity, and now we have an opportunity to learn. So what is the first quality? He said, essential. See, he says, these angels that I created, they're busy night and day. We know they're worshiping Allah, right? But you also know about the angels that they have different functions and missions. Isn't it true? We, it, we gave a few examples of what these angels do. Who is the highest angel? Do you think he's also somebody who drives wind and this? No, his, his chief function is what? Deliver revelation. That's it. That's it. So they're clearly assigned different missions. They're not all doing the same thing. There is among the highest company of Allah, the highest of angels that carry the throne of Allah. So Allah says, no matter what, all the angels of Allah are what? Salfati? They're all arranged in max, in perfect order. No division amongst them. They're all like, your heels on the line. Their heels are on the line, around the clock. That's an incredible lesson from Allah. He's saying, pay attention to how they conduct themselves because that's part of the essential requirements for these angels to be able to do what? Carry out the order of Allah and do what? Defeat evil. As Allah is telling you, if you don't line up, if you don't exercise that discipline, cohesion, and unity, what's going to happen? They actually say that organized evil will always defeat what? Disorganized righteousness. And what is the state of Muslims nowadays? Very disorganized and messed up. I'm not even sure if it's righteousness, right? Unrighteous. Disorganized and unrighteous. But we don't have to make claims. Allah says for sure you're violating the natural law. And Allah was not going to change his laws. We already failed number one. And now we say, where's the law? Not because of the attribution of being called Muslim. No, 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 no. We've been elevated, preferred over other nations by three things. Pay attention to them. جُعِلَتْ صُفُوفُنَا كَصُفُوفِ الْمَلَائِكَةِ وَجُعِلَتْ لَنَا الْأَرْضُ كُلُّهَا مَسْجِدًا وَجُعِلَتْ تُرْبَتُهَا لَنَا ظَهُورًا إِذَا لَمْ تَجِدِ الْمَاءِ He says three things distinguish this woman. He says, the first one is that our lines have been made Similar to the lines of the angels. What lines is he talking about? Prayer. What do you think this, why do we come to the message? To learn order, cohesion, and discipline. Among the other. Worship Allah, clearly. But in worshiping Allah, it's not just go worship Allah. No, no, no. Allah is going to produce a system out of us. Teach us the methodology for success, for flourishing, for fulfilling our potential, and for, for also defeating evil. He says, first of all, we need each other. You cannot do it individually, can you? By the salah in the masjid is better by 27 degrees. That is it. Why? Why is Allah encouraging us here to come here? You're going to find the mercy of Allah, the healing in the masjid, but also you're going to connect with who? The other angels of Allah. The brothers and sisters are part of this unit, heavenly unit. They're mimicking. By the way, this soft path, as this scholar say, applies to the believers. 
Allah is inferred, Allah is, is, is also implying to all of us. He's saying, learn, I'm also talking about you. He's not only just talking about the angels. This description also applies to the believer, and the word of Prophet Muhammad confirms it. He says, we've been made better than other nations. We've been made by, better by other nations by the lines that Allah gave us on this earth for pray with, worship, and they are like the lines of the angels. Can you imagine Whenever we stand up to pray, Allah's asking you to think of the angels. You see, we now line up in mass, in unity, in cohesion, exactly like the angels were in mass. How many of us think about this? How many times do you have to say, please put your heels on one? What does the Prophet say? What else does he say? And how often do we just not, not, not consider that important? Allah says, when somebody is not online, you just messed up the national world. And now you have lessened your chances of what? Being able to be successful, guaranteed, fulfill your potential, and defeating them. It starts here, it starts in the lines. And the Prophet says the second thing we've been preferred with is that all of earth has been made into a message for us. That's a blessing, by the way. Other tradition, faith, and religions don't have that. They can't just pray anywhere. The formal prayer is Muslim, no matter where you are, except something that is dirty, being impurified, has impurity on it. That's it. Clean it and pray. That's amazing. All the dust of this earth is valid space for me to pray. Yep. No matter where it is. Except unclean places. That's it. But if you're cleaning it, then, then, then it's valid for you to pray. There, why we take it for God? What a blessing of Allah that he made all earth and his for you. These are just the formal places. The formal houses of Allah. Otherwise, it's a big house of Allah. Wow, anywhere. Yeah, it's like you're the angels of Allah on this earth, right? And, and and you bring honor to it by putting your head on the ground because that's the ground of Allah. Do it anywhere. It's okay. And the third is that the Prophet said the third um, attribute that Allah has given us that elevates us is that the dust of this earth, right, is pure for you to make your wudu with and clean with. If you haven't found water, so don't you? All this is the creation of Allah. Use it to even serve Allah and remember. Now, the Prophet said, speaking of this lining up and the importance of lining up, he says to the companions around us, He was looking at them when the Salah was there. He's like, Wouldn't you line up like the angels line up in front of Allah? Can you imagine that's how they line up in front of Allah? Perfect order. Perfect lines. And then he said, the companion said to the Prophet, and how did the angels line up in front of Allah? He said, they line up the lines, they complete the first line first, right? Without a gap between their shoulders, clearly, right? The shoulders of angels are not like our shoulders, but they're not leaving spaces. And then he says, so he says, they complete the first lines first, and then they, you know, they leave no space between. They're like soft marsuls, but like packed together. No gaps whatsoever to ensure that unity. Remember, this one is about unity, right? Allah created diverse creation. Whenever we're scattered, we're going against the unity. Whenever we line up, what happens? It's called unity, isn't it? Wow. Your it is unified, will surely defeat, will surely overcome, but it's still temporary. Because at the end, Allah will defeat us. But he says it's not going to be three. 
It's not going to be through me. And the Prophet further says, whenever he is on the Salah, it's called, he says, establish the lines. Here it is. Bring your shoulders close to each other. Touch them, right? And make sure you you, you don't um, create any kind of misalignment. Any kind of any defect in the line, you have to go around the line making sure that every everyone is perfectly lined up. He will do this on the battlefield, but where did it start? In the masjid. If they're not used to it in the masjid, how are they going to do it outside? In any. So this is not just applicable to the battlefield, in anything in war, in any operation of life. Think of businesses, think of, 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 of uh, building a community, think of family. Families that are successful are which ones? Unity. They're unified. They love each other, they care for each other, they're there for each other, they're successful. Families that are scattered, we know the deal, we experience it, right? all of us. We know what happens, even when one or two individuals are out of line, oof, the disorder creates. Here's one incredible lesson of Surah Al-Safa, and the Surah is entitled by it. Entitled by it. Now, the Elijah describes further these angels, and by implication the believers, he says they have to fulfill the second attribute, and this is again an attribute of the angels in the heavens, and part of the perfect system. He says, Fazajirati, Zajirati. They scold with intense scolding, but it also means vajr is also to, to hold someone in restraint. So the scholars commented on this, and they said it, it, it implies they're holding themselves in check, checking what themselves, constantly vigilant about their own what desires, passions. Now the angels don't have that, but the angels have the ability to scold something that they find repellent, right? Out of line, which is what? Evil and falsehood. So Allah uses them to do what? To defeat evil. And there, you know, when Allah speaks of bringing the, the his attention on the, the fact of previous nations that have lived on this earth, and they're blasted with a blast, or the, the, the loud noise, or their the the ground underneath them was elevated and raised and then and and then kind of uh, you know. Uh, flipped on them. Well, who is doing all of them? Well, it's ultimately Allah, but who did he use? His angels. Very simple. So he says, these are the ones that scold, that scolding the evil. But also hold themselves in check, and they're constantly checking themselves. Right? Because if we ever become slaves of our own passions, we're not. Allah says, learn from them. They're really interested in frustrating evil. They're like vigilant against evil. They're not saying it's none of my business. Of course, in a matter that Allah equipped them with, in, 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 you know, according to the abilities that Allah gave them, right? This is their mission. So Allah's asking all of us as Muslims. He says, pay attention to the prophets of Allah. What have the prophets done? They're constantly inviting people to the good, illuminating their lives, but they're also doing what? In, in a wise way. In a wise way, seeking to eliminate what? Falsehood and corruption. Not by just saying, hey, end this corruption. No, it was hard work to eliminate corruption, deviance, and evil. He says, whoever wants to belong to this heavenly order that rejects evil has to promote this effort of what? That they're deeply inside concerned about evil, concerned about injustice, about oppression, about corruption. 
And he's saying, whoever performs that is among the servants of Allah, the soldiers of Allah on this earth. And he's saying, learn from the angels and learn from who? Also the servants of Allah, the messengers of Allah. Look at their lives, and it was all about combating falsehood and evil. Third quality. What do you think it is? That it's essential for someone to be able to frustrate and defeat evil and to belong to the heavens of Allah. Right? That you know that 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 this is a quality that qualifies someone to belong in this special company. The third quality is what Taniyati He says, those very angels, while doing all of this work, while they're lining up waiting for the command of Allah, while they're seeking to execute the commands of Allah to inflict that punishment on evil and oppression, they're doing what? Are they forgetting Allah? They're busy doing what? They could have Allah, are they saying just as long as I'm doing it, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah. And we know from the hadith of the Prophet they make dhikr of Allah around the clock. Never, ever, ever tiring from it. Declaring the perfection of Allah, declaring His oneness, declaring His praise, enjoying it. They live for it. But is that enough? Hadiyati, what does dhikr mean? Reciting it, not only to themselves, but to who? Creation of Allah. Why? To remind others about what? The ultimate message. Is it just a matter of like, hey, I'm going to you know, be you? For what? And first of all, you don't do that with people, right? But I'm just like, you know, when we're busy trying to defeat something, we forget what the purpose is. What the purpose is. You have what? Your mind, the ultimate law. We're not busy doing this. As soon as we lose the remembrance of Allah, that's what happens to people, even leading with efforts. Like many messages have. Love You know what happens usually? Pay attention to life. You're, if you've ever been involved in any of that, loss of the remembrance of Allah, loss of sincerity, loss of devotion to Allah, and they become so busy with the work itself, they start turning against each other. So they violated rule number one, two, and three. Right? So what's the end? The measure itself loses its purpose. God's rule stops. Line up, Allah says. Be cooperative. Care for each other. You have a unified mission and vision and purpose, divine. What else does he say? Be vigilant about, about, about deviance, about evil. Flush it out, try it away, don't allow even one to spoil the pot. All the things in life, I've seen it in communities, all things is what? Troublemaker. Usually surfaces, spreads the evil. And people are, mashallah, passive, like, oh, this is interesting. They're <laughs> talking to Tanya. And the rumors spread, and, and, and. Because this is the nature of human beings. Rule number one is violated already. The, line, the lines are broken, right? And now people are not really being vigilant against the evil. In fact, they're promoting it. And now they're forgetting Allah. All three rules are violated. What happens? Collapse. Total collapse in the shaitan's life. Shaitan's life. Allah says, here it is. Allah, and I look at this, I say, subhanAllah, how much have we read this? How much have we heard about cooperation, unity? Look at, you know, tomorrow, I, I need to bring this up. We're going to talk about it later. Tomorrow, like the Eid here, the holiday, the calendar here from Montgomery County. I really wonder how many of us are going to write letters, cooperate in this effort. We talk so much about faith, about this, about that, but I wonder when it really comes down to it. Well, says, well you've seen things that are not good. Here's an effort to take the Muslim holiday out of the calendar completely, right? People have worked very hard on this. Years of work. How many of us are standing on the same saying somebody else was 
Somebody else will show up. Somebody else will write the letter. Some listen. You're not going to have a chance. I don't think your prayers and my prayers are going to help because we violated what the natural order of the law. Unless it's a good, you know, I'm not going to change my law for you. Even your prayers will not change it, right? Because you just violated my rules. But we'll talk about this and shall encourage each other again to take action before tomorrow, before it's too late. Inshallah, on this calendar and the issue of the Muslim holiday. Allah Azza just says, you know, the nurture of the heavens and the earth. And he says, Again, he's unveiling realities for us in the natural order that can teach us. Every word is teaching us here. That's how Allah teaches. He says, the master of the heavens and the earth and the master of the easts. Not east, one east. Easts. Yes, Allah, again, are, are there random statements in the Quran? Nothing is random. So Allah's inviting your eyes and my eyes and our minds and our hearts to look where? Towards the east. What do you learn from the east? You know, this is also a prophecy. But when Allah spoke of the angels, them lining up, them scolding, them holding themselves in check, them holding evil in check, cause of the surrounding that evil, he's also making a prophecy. What is the prophecy? That evil that the Prophet was facing, the falsehoods, the wickedness of Mecca, is going to be what? Is going to expire. Did it happen? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Allah is delivering a powerful prophecy in this surah that indeed the Prophet could not have made. How would you be like surrounded on the on the ground with somebody, their foot on top of you? Like, I'm gonna beat you. Right? But I have my foot on your neck. It's powerful. It's a metaphor. Can you imagine? It's impossible for the Prophet to have made such powerful statements, but it's a prophecy of Allah and it got fulfilled. It can only come from the prophet. Allah has it. Which in itself tells you there is a hand behind the Prophet. That's why it's an evidence. The very prophecy is evidence of the presence of Allah. Make sense? And Allah is saying, look at throughout history what has happened to evil. No matter how long it lived, these people were taken out. Evil people. He's saying, isn't that enough proof for you to believe my assertion that Allah is one and He's behind everything and it's perfect? By the way, you notice it always works the same way? Always works the same way, regardless of the causes. They live their lives, summed up in a few words, and then they're finished off. No matter how the, the how different the, the lives they've lived, these evil people. It doesn't matter. They're at the end, one word, finish off. Allah says, don't you see unity in that? Unified purpose, unified plan. It really all points you to the one. How come... Throughout history, you look at these patterns and they're all the same. It points to what? The origin is one. Allah is all about that. Allah is not just arrived at by just looking at a tree. Reflecting on patterns, no matter how multiplied they look, they all converge to the one. La ilaha illallah. So the patterns of the historical patterns and everything we see around, the only ones that see chaos are really those who don't see more. The believer actually doesn't see chaos. Well, chaos created by human beings, but it's it's everything in creation is perfect. And that's why he's saying, look at the heavens. The heavens eject evil. By the way, you see, again, evil doesn't belong to the heavens. Good news for us. There's a time in which we're going to see no evil whatsoever. And we have to just now subscribe to this mission so we can fit into the natural order in the next world. 
And a lot of what I'm going to say highlight this very important thing before I speak of the East. He's saying, also as part of that initial description of the angels, he's actually saying, your ability to subscribe to these three qualities determines how far or close you are from what? The heavens. Make sense? Like, how do I know how close I am to the heavens? Right? Whether I belong. Allah says, look at how close you are apart from these three qualities. You're judged as an individual, but also you're judged as a community. Look, you tell me. Remember Allah a lot? Do you recite the remembrance of Allah to others? To help guide them, illuminate their lives? Do you line up in ranks all the time? Put aside the differences? Do you also stand up firm in pushing back against falsehood and evil in your life, individually, but also in the larger kind of reality of life? Are we? Are we interested in that? Are we? He says, how close or far you are determines how close you are to the kingdom of Allah. And also, you're wrapped in the next world, which is the kingdom of Allah. Make sense? So now he's making another also prophecy. Rabbu, it's a very simple expression you have. You might say, like, how is that a prophecy? He says, the Lord of Peace. Wow, how powerful is the teaching of Allah. Master of the East, and that's it. Like, what do you derive from that? Why East, not water, not West? You might think, okay, Allah is referring to the places from which the sun rises. Okay, that's a little initial interpretation. Isn't it true? How many of us stop there? Allah says, no, pause, think. What does light mean to you? Well, light comes out in the morning, it's darkness. There's a lot of darkness. Ray of light comes out, puts it out, puts all of it out, and this goes with light of Allah and His guidance. No matter how pervasive evil is, what happens to it? When the light of Allah shines, this tells it. Now, in winter and summer, does the sun come out from the same place? Actually, it's us, it's us rotating, right? But, okay, let's follow the language, the common language. Where does the sun rise from? What spot? The light emerges from multiple spots. So Allah says, Beautifully, east. Now, even though it rises from multiple places, the light is a source one or two. One sun. Unless it's don't be fooled by multiplicity. No matter how many like lights, rays of light you see, one. Now another, right? And this is also a, 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 you know, a, a very important lesson about also illumination. Like he's saying, who's part of that illumination and who's overcome by darkness? And people need light. They need, we spoke about it in the whole the moons and suns in their lives, no matter how pervasive the, the, the darkness is. They're living in darkness. We're living in darkness. We need rays of light. And Allah says, there are those who serve as the light coming out of that east that sends that hope. And it's going to happen through subscribing to the three qualities. That will bring strength, hope, healing. And once it appears, what happens to darkness? Light runs away. When it shows, it sees these rags, this unity, this cooperation, this, this goodness, right? And calling to something more beautiful and living it, it doesn't have a chance. No matter how long it lives, but it requires patience. This formula requires a lot of what? Patience. Eventually, the, light, the darkness is extinguished. But then you say, what else can I learn from that expression? It's actually a prophecy. What do you mean? What do you think? Allah is made of prophecy in two words, a master of the east. Where did Islam spread 
it early on after radio. It went east or west? Well, he's declaring it with Master of the East. He's like, look, East, that's going to open. The darkness here is going to be gone. SubhanAllah, Islam spread first east, and then Western conquest happened when? Later in history. Wow. Prophecy? Could Prophet have said that? But notice the intelligence that he demanded. He didn't say it explicitly. He's demanding what? Our minds and hearts to read it. That's why this book is amazing. When you engage it, you open your heart to it, it's an infinite ocean. This Rabbul Masharat is an infinite ocean. Allah knows. If you look further, Allah knows what you'll derive. Each expression and word in the Quran is an infinite, infinite, bottomless ocean. Wow. See how it is for the intelligent mind and the intelligent heart? It is really seeking to learn and grow and heal. Now Allah says next thing, something amazing about the heavens. He says just to show you the natural order of the heavens, he says, That's He says, you know these heavens? We've adorned the lower heaven with stars. Again, you look and you say stars. You know, there are you know objects in the heavens, celestial bodies that with, you know that have life and have these qualities, physical bodies. Allah says, no, that's part of all of the natural order. They have another function. Your eyes cannot teach you about. You need to hear the words of Allah. They have another reality to them. He says, we adorn the lower heavens. And he says, look at their order as well. You notice if you look randomly at stars, you see them as random dots. But if I'm closer and closer, what do I see? Constellations. Which shows you what? Once again, unity in order, system, right? Racks in a way, right? And perfect place, design, beauty. Wow, it turns out they're actually interconnected. Which one? Now, if you see a, a painting, <coughs> you often say two, two painters. You say one. <coughs> Automatically, or instantly say one painter. So if you see a perfect image and nothing is out of line, what do you say? One, unified. So he says, even that, like the angels, if you really pay attention to their order, to their design, to their interconnection, you're seeing the patterns. Open that. Once again, it shows us the stars are actually teaching us that Allah's one. That's amazing. But who's learning from the stars? We always say, oh, beautiful. And we didn't take them for granted, and we are just looking for books to learn. Allah says, look at the heavens, and they'll teach you. Also about la ilaha illallah. And he says, there's another function to them, you don't understand. He says, these very stars, the ones you see and the ones you think you don't see, are actually keeping the devils away. From where? The heavens. Because the heavens eject evil. Evil doesn't belong there. So Allah says, it turns out that these, angels, these devils are foreign to the, to the heavens. But this is part of their nature. They're wicked, they're deviant, they're jealous, and they always want to snatch information. For what purpose? You know, as soothsayers um, and um, you know, all the people who use spirits on earth and, and this and that to come up with um, you know, information about the future, right? Fortune tellers, soothsayers. 
What is that business about? What's the purpose of it? To make believe people believe that you have some some divine powers, right? And for them to come and pay you money. Really, that's what that's what people do. So it's ultimately misleading people. Are they really delivering any accurate information about the, the future? Zero. And it's all by accident. Allah says that's the nature of evil. <clears throat> no one has access to the, to the divine knowledge and the heavens except Allah Azzawajal. And then he permits the angels to learn a few things about his will. That's it. That's the system up there. It is these devils, wicked devils, they're constantly seeking to eavesdrop, to grab something and take it back to earth and sleep creation. Again, falsehood. But Allah says it's so perfect. It is so unified. Unified purpose of Allah and his design plan. He perfected the system and they're outside barriers like fortresses. Constantly doing what? To devils that attempt to eavesdrop. Like he calls them piercing flames sent upon them to chase them out. Constantly pursuing them. They cannot get a thing. Get nowhere near. SubhanAllah. You notice whenever you go up, gravity pulls you down? If you're gonna, like, like if you would ever kind of imagine how hard it is to get close to the heavens, right? Moving away from Earth, Earth pulls you back. Getting to the moon is hard. Getting to Mars, right? Now they're talking about people on Mars. Can you imagine just getting close to the heavens? SubhanAllah. Like, wow. These, these um, uh, stealthy, evil, jealous, wicked devils are constantly trying to do this, but they have no chance of success whatsoever, which again teaches us something about the divine order. Make sense? But they have no opportunity or chance whatsoever. And Allah says, So ask them, those who argue about Allah and his oneness, he's saying, Aren't you seeing all that as evidence of Allah and the perfect system and the heavenly order? Right? Does it show you that ilaha illallah? Everything is teaching us that. Then he says, ask them. Those who are denying, remember Salat Yaseen? Brittle bones. And the guy said, really? Somebody's going to put that together? Right? I said this to the Prophet He says, ask them, are they more difficult to create than what we have created? Which he's referring to what? The heavens. He just talked about the heavens and the angels and the stars. They're like, do you think you're more difficult to create than them? Look at how magnificent and Colossal they are. You think I created you as well? And you're also within you the perfect system. SubhanAllah, if you look at the human being, microcosm of the heavens. Microcosm of the stars and the cosmos. By the way, there's a whole universe inside of you. And infinite. That's weird. SubhanAllah, if you look at research and science, the more they dig into the cell and the atom, it's infinite. Infinite. And the interconnection among the cells and, and even cells of human beings and atoms of human beings is mind-boggling. They're discovering, there's something called an entanglement theory. Entanglement theory. To show you that when the stars tell you the one who made me is one, even not only within us, because here it's coherent inside of it, the perfect system working together, a machine, with a heart and a soul, all coexisting, not disparate, not separate, to make you, you and me, who can now not only produce on earth, but also grasp truth of the heavens. Who made that? Perfectly put together, right? Despite our own flaws and choices. Now, um, I was going to give an example. What did I say before that? 
entanglement theory. Here's what they found, and this is from like multiple decades ago. It blew my mind away. They, they took two different atoms, electrons. These two electrons were once upon a time in one atom. They separated them. They put one like hundreds of miles away, the other one opposite direction. When they spun, I'm, I'm simplifying this, right? Simplifying it. There's deeper physics to it. When they spun one electron, which is really far from the other, the other started behaving in the same way. They're like, what? How did that happen? How do they communicate instantly? There could be thousands of miles apart. And whenever you spin one, the other spins. Whenever you stop it, it stops. It's called the entanglement theory. Look it up. How are they interconnected? Right? Which means what? The one. Interconnect everything. So he's saying, don't be fooled by the multiplicity. It's all interconnected cohesively. In its own wrath as part of a unified design and plan and purpose. Allah's mind. There's no other easy way to explain any of this except to say the painter is one, the author is one. Couldn't be two. Uh, otherwise, how are we all so interconnected? They turned out everything in creation is interconnected, but we just don't understand. You and I right now are impacting each other's cells and atoms and electrons, and they're responding and mirroring each other. SubhanAllah. So Allah Azzawajal says, so do you think you're difficult to just look up and you'll derive conclusions? And then he goes on to, like, inshallah, we'll wrap up. I mean, the first passage of the surah kind of sums it up. That Allah Azzawajal will not next talk about the consequences of all this evil. How ultimately it needs its own uh, predetermined fate from Allah Azzawajal. That it's going to be finished up. And then in the surah, he takes us into the next world where he brings out this creation, the ones who belong to the heavens of Allah, to the, to the company of Allah, the believers, who are going to be now in the permanent bliss, contrasted with the evil ones who are going to stand now to hate each other. That's an amazing thing. See, evil looks unified, and Allah is going to tell us in the surah, they stand in, each, in front of each other and they what? Hate each other. You know, they're reminded of all the evil they produce, and they start to question each other, saying, why did you do that to me? And the leaders of, the, of evil, they say, mm -hmm, I didn't do it, you did it yourself. Don't ask me a question, I'm in my own trouble today, but you did it yourself. SubhanAllah, we can miss, turns on each other. It's rotten. It doesn't, it doesn't last. It's not enduring. Allah is saying, rest assured. Don't be overcome by it. Don't be fooled by it. Don't be intimidated by it. Eventually, it's frustrated by Allah Azza But is the path easy? Never easy. So in this story, it starts to give us what? Stories of who? The instruments of God on earth that are part of that divine heavenly order. Who are they? Salamun ala and Musaeen, the messengers. Who become living angels among us to teach us about the heavens and how to live our lives, to connect to the heavens and belong to that company, but also how to carry that out. What kind of life? And he gives us in this sort of the examples of Noah. Ibrahim, Musa, Harun, Elias. And he says, it's not easy. never easy. So don't think just because I said evil is out, evil is ejected, evil is pursued. Oh, it's like, blink of an eye, just wish it could happen. No, no, no. Remember in the movie? It has to play out over time. That's a testimony. It's going to be hard every single day. You need to have what? What keeps you going, though? The three characteristics. What were they? 
How are you going to be able to now deal with all this evil, including our own evil and passions? How, brothers, is how do you stay strong and not forgive Allah and not get caught up in distractions? We always emphasize what? Even amongst the youth. What do you need? What was that? You need good friends, good company. You will not make it on your own. People who think they're Makkah Allah on their own, good luck. It's hard. Extremely hard. That's why Allah says, come back to the community. Then imagine light up and grabs. It'll fortify you and strengthen your ability to remember Allah. Remember what the Musa said in Surah Taha? Waja'ali waziran this is, Ya Allah, fortify me, strengthen me with Harun so that we can remember you. By myself, I might remember today, then I uh, weaken and then altogether forget you. That's what happens with people in life when they deviate from their community, from the group, or the group starts to target each other, right? Like evil at the end, how it turns on each other. That's awful. So the point is here, brothers and sisters, is that is that these prophets of Allah are reminding us of the formula. And Allah says, you need company to remember Allah with, to strengthen you and heal you, and give you that ammunition. You need to also do what? Be steadfast and patient. So don't now start judging what? Allah's plan. How many people say, well, we're working hard, we're doing our best, but we're not seeing changes. Who amongst the prophets was frustrated quickly? And he said, I'm out of here. Who? Yunus. Is he mentioned in the surah or not? Mentioned in the surah to tell us, don't ever judge Allah's plan. His purpose. Just because you've done the work and you're lined up in rags and you remember Allah, now don't start saying, if it doesn't, if the change doesn't happen at such and such date, I'm going to be like upset. Allah says, surrender to Allah and His unity and His perfect wisdom and mercy and power. He has a perfect plan, just as the stars are perfectly aligned, just as the angels are perfectly aligned. At the end, at a time, Allah prescribed. If you do your part, evil will go. But who determines that? Allah. You want to slap the time of Allah mentions it. He says, I'm, I'm done with this. You people are not changed. You guys are wicked, and he invoked the wrath of Allah. As if he's also judging Allah's plan. He, he's not doing it intentionally. And he laughed and he ended up in the sea. And Allah put him in another darkness to teach him. Right? And then he got him out of that darkness for him to go back to the town and it was all what? Only he was changed. And Allah is giving us that powerful lesson. But then he says, I'm going to wrap up and show them a couple of things. He says about Yunus in the surah, He says, you know what got him out of trouble with Allah? Because he was humble. Remember, he cried out to Allah, Ya Allah, I, I wrong myself. And he made glorifications of Allah. He says, if he wasn't before even that instant, in his life remembering Allah, Allah would have locked him up in that darkness. So what saves us? What's the lesson? Remember Allah. Actively remember Allah. With Salah, with sitting down to glorify and praise Allah, when trouble comes and darkness comes, the thing that will keep you seeing that will get you out of that trouble and darkness, that will allow you to overcome and find the doors, is what? The prior history with Allah has. Oof. Like, that's a reliever, it turns out. If you, if you want to, like, know how, the key to dealing with trials in our futures before they come, remember Allah, 
Allah saying, Yunus did that, and that's what Allah took him out of that trouble. But it was a learning lesson for Yunus, and the lesson is be patient, do not judge the perfect unified plan of Allah. It's complete already. Done. And the end of it is guaranteed by Allah. And at the end, Allah says, How do you think the surah should wrap up then? Remember what we started with? All this is summed up in you saying what? And, and notice that the hadith of the Prophet is after what? Gatherings, which means what? Remember Allah also? Together, saying what? Subhana Rabbika, Rabbil Izzati Amma Yisrafun, Wa Salaamun Ala Al-Mursaleen, Wa Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. One note of angels. What did they say about the angels? They're the daughters of Allah. And we have the sons of Allah has daughters. Allah says, how do you attribute such a thing to Allah? The beauty of our faith, this whole notion of Tawheed, is about understanding that Allah is so perfect beyond your comprehension. Never ever attribute anything negative about Allah. Including is, why does Allah give me that or not give me that? How come Allah didn't cure me yet? How, all these how comes are equivalent to saying to someone saying Allah has daughters. What are you doing? Allah is exalted and perfect and flawless above all your descriptions. And peace upon the messengers. He's saying, learn from them. Learn from how they did it. And their patience and steadfastness and how they called creation to Allah. That part of your mission and my mission. He's saying, is he emanating out of your heart, adoring me and my perfection? Why are you saying it with your mouth, but the heart is saying, Allah, I'm not happy. It's not enough. It's awful. It's not fair, etc., etc. Indeed, let's wrap up the gathering before we open the discussion with, let's say it together. And again, the Prophet says, whoever desires the forgiveness and the mercy of Allah, let him or she say this at the end of conversations. May Allah grant this stuff, inshallah. This is what I was like. I, I swear when I was preparing this, I was like, I, stopped, I stayed in the first reverse. I said, I can't move. <laughs> Amazing. I think we desperately needed this. I didn't even get with you even into exploration of other passages. Blows my mind. The surah is like, it's poetic. I'll call it a poetic teacher. Poetic teacher. May Allah grant this, inshallah. So, inshallah, any comments or questions? Uh, this surah has just blown me away in a way that Allah has uh, such a system of angels and everything is well disciplined and well in order. And I sort of, I think that he created all of us. Is it a trial for us to put us in a trial or he could have disciplined all of us in the same way as he disciplined his angels? And um, God knows better. I don't know the answer for that. And my second question would be, or second comment would be, that in various places in the Quran says, and, and in this place, why does it say only mushrik? And I think the interpretation that the sun comes out from the east or the light comes out from the east, I, I'm not so sure if, if this is a better explanation for me. Uh, because he always he calls the Masjid and Mabrik and obviously not the South, but Masjid and Mabrik. So a couple of things, inshallah. Again, Allah Azza wa 
Remember when he said, Subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzati amma nasifun. No matter how much we try to understand Allah's purpose, can we understand it? No. That's part of him being infinite, and we are what? Finite. This is actually a very good rule for us to share even with our families and children. That sometimes we deny full, precise answers. I see part of believing is what? Trusting that Allah is perfect. Like being, having a daddy and a mommy and I know they took care of me. Sometimes I'm like, I'm not sure. They'll give me what I need. And their father or mother will say, come on, you know, I'm there for you. Just trust me, you're not going to understand this. In the same way, but much above, Allah is saying, don't you just trust me? I'm possessed infinite wisdom, infinite knowledge. You're already seeing evidences of my presence. Now, other, there are other questions and doubts that are going to come to you. Well, I am going to say this as a rule so that we don't stumble on little things here and there that can make us questionable. Right? It's not wrong about it to ask questions. It's just that you know, sometimes we persist with them so much that we start attributing, for example, uh, lack of wisdom to Allah or lack of knowledge, etc. So human beings have a tendency to this. Now, on this specific question, Allah He says, Trust me, I have infinite wisdom. You have very limited wisdom. He created the perfect order there. He created another creation out of his wisdom again and knowledge called human beings that blend heavenly elements with earthly elements. Angels don't have that. We actually, many people say, well, the angels are better than us. Yes, but we can be better than them because we have what? Will. If we have children, all of us have, most of us have children here, except children, right? That's it. Which one is better? The child that is beaten into submission to you and me, or the one that lovingly says, oh, mom, I just told you what to do today, right? I'll sleep now. Oh, absolutely. Anything you tell me. Oh, study. Absolutely. Oh, blah, blah. I'm for you, anything. Because you're you. Do you want to have a child like that? I wish. Right? Woo. I suppose I could do it. Okay, that's number one. <laughs> number two. And they're like, uh, uh, uh. I'm like, don't let me say it. Right? And then they'll go do it. Which one is better? It's very clear. The angels don't have will. They're created to just obey Allah. Allah created another creation. He says, Adam is I'm going to create a system that tests them, i.e. evil. For those who say, why did God create evil? It Everything is from Allah. Indeed, ultimately, he gave the choice of the mesh. Choice implies evil. Others will know, how would we know good if there's no evil? It's a beautiful system, actually, that is a reflection of the power of Allah and his wisdom. And the purpose of it is to test the human being and give him choices. When the human being complies with Allah and chooses the good, Allah guarantee elevate this human being above the angels that serve Allah you know, without having a choice. They love Allah, but instinctively. That's the test of the human being. That's why Allah put us here with these choices. We have an opportunity to ascend, or we have an opportunity to go to Asfala Safini. The central law is the law by the fortress. So it's a very important concept. Is that what asking it? Very important to enter because your very question sheds light on a lot of the doubts that many of even young people carry and Muslims are falling off because of them. Like, Why did God need all of this? How come you just make an angel? I said, have an opportunity to rise above the angel. SubhanAllah, what an honor. And Allah intended you and me. That's beautiful. Once I believe Allah exists like He intended me, 
So it's got to be a reason why he's putting me here. Reasons beyond my imagination. I may understand partially some of it, but you know, you and me existing on this earth will never appreciate it until when? Until we actually see it. And all of us are going to say what? Alhamdulillah. Would you choose it any other? Those of us who are actually saying wish we're angels, when you leave this earth and we're believers, indeed, right? When you see what you see, you're not going to wish that you're angels. You're going to be like, not even the angels. But we're not in that realm yet. Allah's asking us to believe in us. Now, Rabbul Masharat, it depends on the context. This is a surah about prophecies. Remember, one of the themes of the surah is prophecies. So it was appropriate for Allah to invoke the notion that He's master of not just East and West. Like He's saying, look at the East, I'm going I'm to make you confident. That's it. So it's just to serve a purpose. But it doesn't mean He's not the Lord of the West. The north and the south. So we'll say, uh, we'll see him in other sur- in other surahs referring to himself as master of the east and the west because it wasn't necessarily a prophecy. He's just reminding us everything is Allah, right? Everything belongs to Allah and He's the master of everything, including the east and the west. And it will be an invitation to reflect on the east and reflect on the west and what it means. Make sense? So remember, each phrase has deeper dimensions, but it's fitting to the context. Fitting to the context. So, make sense about why East and not West in this surah? Because it was a problem. Well, it was about illumination, that's number one, and darknesses of the devils being shattered and dispelled by the light, and light often comes from the East, it reminds us of the light of the Quran, but also about the fact that there will be conquests made in the East first. It's not only the angels, but also the jinn and the human being. And Muhammad said that not only did I create angels, that's true, but you often listen as Prophet Muhammad said, this reported that they constantly worship Allah, but also he said I created jinns and human and son to worship. So I think that Allah's purpose of creation is whether angels or jinns or human so, is to worship. But He gave the human that will, whether she is going to worship it or not going to worship. I don't know about jinn, but human, that He gave the yeah. will. So I think that's. that's now, beautifully put again, and it's stated in the Quran, you said it, all creation is created to worship Allah. Very important thing to understand. Now, some without will, and some with will. Jinns and human beings are, have will, have been chosen by Allah to have that choice. And they have differences in their makeup, of course, and their abilities and so forth. By the way, I wanted to say something before I forget. This one at Safat, you know, for uh, you know, people dealing with, you know, uh, well, it's, it's, it's a surah that is recommended to recite, over people who have been touched by evil, by envy, by, you know, kind of evil spirits, right? Whoever is touched by this, actually one of the surahs that is recommended for recitation over them. So just keep that in mind as well. So, so because it has a lot of mention of what? Evil spirits being driven off and being pursued and rejected by Allah and his angel army. So they say, read it. Read it upon those who have been struck by any of these emotions, right? It's a very good service to the sons. So, um, actually, 
And that crosses their individual missions and potentials that the human being has to fulfill. The great strategy of this earth is that human beings do not recognize that potential or missions, individual missions. It's a merciful one. And Allah says, if you follow the path, this would this I mean I answer very simple because we all have that question, like how do I know what Allah most people don't even recognize Allah is giving them gifts. They actually you know all self-esteem and all you know these um, kind of the voices inside of our head that tells you soft, you're horrible, you're failure. Actually says that this person does not understand where they came from, which is Allah. Allah could have used it's impossible. It's Allah is above it. To create somebody randomly and they have no individual purpose. Otherwise, we're saying Allah doesn't know Right? No way. That's why it's essential to understand Allah. But how we discover it is a different story. Like, I know that people, like even college students, they're like, oh, I'm 21, I don't know what I'm doing. Hang in there. No, others do. I'm like, you think. Right? Hang in there. Part of being unique is that your individual journey is different than others, even when I learn, when I discover. But how do I discover faster is a choice. What is what does it demand? It demands what Allah just described, which is trusting, learning about Allah, trusting in Him, remembering Him not in day, and invoking Allah to allow us to see what He wants us to do. And to give us the capacity and the ability to see our own gifts that he has made us custodians of, so we can use them for a service. But if the human being is busy with distractions, I tell you what gets us off track. Distractions. Remember the angels? They're restraining themselves against the passions. He's saying that human beings that are captive to their own passions, do they have time to think about their potential? Because I'm busy fulfilling my desires. I don't have time to get better. Getting better, brothers and sisters, alive requires a lot of self and commitment. It is self-reflection. Most people have no capacity to self-reflect. The beauty of the plan is this: it teaches us how to reflect. The human being inside of them, I read this a while back, it hit me so hard. Infinite ocean. That's why he says, But if I'm distracted, how am I going to look? I'm just busy with my video game and the movie and the drink and the hanging out. I don't have time to reflect. And this busyness of this modern era, even stars are not, cannot be seen anymore. So we lost our capacity to even reflect on meaning, on purpose, on even me. It needs time. It doesn't just come out. I swear to you, one of the greatest challenges about our work, especially, especially with young people, is that they cannot see their own gifts. And you can see them from outside, but they don't believe it. Because they're not pausing to reflect because they're busy and they're distracted. So I think part of being the moon and the light for them, is, I swear, is not only just connecting them to Allah, but that involves knowing Allah allows them to know themselves. That's amazing. Know your know thyself. So that you know your own potential and capacities to serve Allah and be like those, as you said, the individuals that are part of this rank. Because that rank, like the angels, everyone has a mission, yet the human. But Jibreel is not doing what the angel of the the, 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 the wind is doing. So he's not keeping record. He is delivering revelation, for example. Very specific mission, he knows it. Allah will produce this knowledge for us. But if we reject, isn't that how we can see? Remember the oaks? 
the yokes, we've seen it in Surah Yasin, pushed us away. So like the Sufis, we can't see in front of us, behind us, even ourselves. Can't you look at yourself with a yoke? You can't. We lock ourselves up with our own evil, with our own deviance, with our own self-inflicted distraction, that we cannot see anything around us or within us. We blind with ourselves. And Allah is generous. Allah doesn't deprive. But part of it is trusting. Remember Yunus? Now, we should never say that to Allah. Trust. As long as we remember Allah, pushing, push, also pushing ourselves. And I notice Muslims don't like to push themselves. They, they don't have to push themselves. It's like, how would it is with us? Like, we're not active people. Even athletically, you notice Muslims are this crazy. Like the walk. Like, and we like to, it's like, what are these people? They're walking their dogs. I'm going to chill out here. I'm like, let's go walk out and take a lesson from their lives. Well, life is doing that. Physical activity is part of life. How often do you see people Muslims running in? I'm not saying that's the only form of exercise, but I'm just to show you that we have apathy, like indifference to even activism, joining efforts, contributing to causes. And one of the ways to open our potentials, how do you discover something? We know the deal, try it. But if I'm sitting on the sideline rejecting every cause, not wanting to taste it, I'm gonna say, how do I know how good it is? You know, most people who discover their skills, it's because they've tried different things. But if we're fear, if I have a fear, and most Muslims have fear, even though we claim faith. Oh, if I don't become this, and I'm going to be I don't have money, blah, blah, blah. But you know these things? All from the shaitan. And it, 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 and it deflates us, and it strips us of the ability to even experiment and try good things. Whenever we have, I'll like, uh, invite people, like, I've seen his 20 years of work with Muslims, Allah. Whenever we invite Muslims to participate in something, Allah, not even have them. Very few people show up to anything. But I'm not saying, okay, we're busy, but to everything we're not showing up, that's a, that's a problem, right? Muslims are absent. And I feel like if we're not even stepping in to try, say, let me try this, let me push here because I gotta be useful. Through that process, we end up discovering our potentials. So I say in the end, let us at least be useful. Remember Allah? Be useful even if I don't know what I'm good at. Let me go cook some food. I don't know. Let me try that. Make sense? Let me go clean the bathroom for the message. Let me, when we start doing these things, Allah will uncover our potentials and allow us to use it in extraordinary ways. But it's not going to be given to us like that. Because it's an honor. It's a knowing. So for Allah to use us for good is in itself a special honor. And it's not just given. It's, it's earned. Makes make sense? Like, may Allah bless you, bro. So that, Alhamdulillah, I'm glad you asked that question again because it's a, we need to reflect on that question a lot. Because it's, greatest tragedy is untapped emotions. There's nothing that saddens me more so is when I see young people growing up and their lives have never changed. Oh, we just lost gifts. We just lost potential stars because they don't see it. And there's no one to help facilitate their ability to see it. And to push them, see, go for it, right? That that encouragement is the light of the law of soccer. So because of, you know the Sahaba, who were they before? Like criminals, like thugs. Some of them like real losers, some of them are amazing, but before Islam. But mm-hmm. many of them were real lost people. Islam, just because of that light, they discovered their potential. Umar al Khattab and Abu Bakr and the countless thousands of others. They had potential, it wasn't tapped. 
And I would say one final thing, being charitable in general, because it pushes us to be good. Not just about giving money, giving time, giving effort. It actually, even they've discovered this in science, when we do something good, the brain responds by pushing you to do more good. So you start discovering your potential. Wow, it's part of the wiring of Allah. He says, push, and you'll discover. But you don't push, you don't discover anything. SubhanAllah, what a beautiful thing. I can even get into the, the biology of it. Wondrous, indeed. Um, so I, I have a question um, that's also related to the first um, ayah. Um, because you're talking about how God is giving us the example of the angels and how they are, like, um, and um, and you related that to like our coming to the masjid and like praying. But how can we? I mean, there are two things. One, we need to like realize our potential to be able to like advance. But at the same time, not going to take a while. So how can we take that like being in like lines and close together and working together and being organized to like outside of the masjid? Um, and I think that that's the challenge that we all face because of our diversity. Um, and everybody, our differences that sort of like makes us like focus on the division more than on what connects us. And if we wait to like each realize our potential to be able to like connect with one another, that's going to take us away until the day of judgment. Absolutely. No, ex again, excellent questions. Right along with you. Um, because we can just talk about the sh Shaitan himself did that to us. Shaitan says, okay, this mission belongs to this ethnicity. Blah, 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 skin color, I only marry this, blah, blah, blah. all the devilish, evil stuff we've come up with in the name of Islam, too, is the thing that is, is defeating us. You know what Allah says in another subhanahu They start to divide after knowledge came to them. How many of them are interested in just schools of, and sects and schools of theology? Which one is better? Oh, that's what Muslims are busy with. You know that people who follow schools of fiqh turn on each other and they will not even marry from each other in some countries? Do you know that's how bad it can get? They probably don't even understand it. They don't even understand it. In the, unless it's after knowledge comes to them, they start to divide. And for sure, they're going to bring the rest and there's no chance of success. Very good point you brought up. The lines in the salah are not to be just here. That's a training ground for connecting to the heavens as a community that we can out, go outside and apply it to everything. How we work. I brought up the example of tomorrow when there will be this hearing where they're going to eliminate out of the calendar um, that they, it's not really official day off. What they used to do is make the day of Eid a professional day. So teachers are off and kids are off. Alhamdulillah, better than a designated, it's, it's, it's an accomplishment. Now they say we're going to take it away. The three proposed calendars don't have that. Howard County has it, other counties have it, but not mashallah, not diverse Montgomery County. Mashallah. And what do we do on the side? How many of us are saying, my kids graduated? How many of us really say that? My kids graduated. You know the people who worked on this? They don't even have children. The Muslims who worked on this, because I know many of them, don't even have children in public schools. They're sold. And yet they're not on it. Because this affects all of our children, all of our families. How many of you say, apply the lines, the ranks here? I'm wondering, I really, I was writing the letter yesterday, I'm like, not because of me, trust me, I'm, I'm too, I, I'm not doing what I need to do. 
I'm like, how many Muslims are going to write a letter, a simple letter? Make our voices heard. And then we complain that, how come such a thing happened? Right? Most of us are passive. So the line, the rat, is a lesson for life. How to work with others and cooperate. We're drawn by faith. Sad and tragic when the shaitan splits us apart by skin color, language, dialogue, dialect, rank, status, social status. Oh my goodness, it's all wicked. Really wicked. But Allah says, outside of the heavens. This doesn't belong to the order of the heavens. Very simple. Wallahi. That's why I said it's so, so beautiful and simple and like impactful. Really powerful surah. With a few phrases, he gave us the whole system. That is deep and it demands not just words, but what? Allah says, action it. Show up. Like, you know, discovering potential? I can't wait. You're right. Like, okay, tomorrow I have a mandate to make a difference about this issue. Muslims should show up. If they can't take the day off, they should what? Write something. Send it to their friends to write. Allah saying, show me some care. Show me some care here. Is that hard to do? It's not hard to do, but we're displacing people. Sorry, man, I didn't mean to hear. Just saying, please don't hate me. I'm like something, right? I include myself. We need to learn to become active. Through that process, because righteousness is about activism. Remember, organized evil defeats disorganized righteousness. Even. It's not enough to sit at home and say, I'm reading my Quran. I'm praying my tangent. Right? No, Allah said, you will not have a chance. That's what I put you on earth. By the way, if worship and the Islam is all about just praying, reading the Quran, and doing the Ajr, then Allah would have made us angels. Why did he put us on earth? Does it make sense? It's to engage this life as well. Barakallah fiki. Inshallah, I'll take some more comment. So, I kind of want to, I don't mean to shift the conversation, but I kind of want to comment on um, a point you made earlier about um, finding order in apparent randomness, apparent chaos. And I guess this kind of ties into the importance of actually engaging and reflecting on the Quran. So um, I, I told you this before, there's a famous scientist, um, any of you who are engineers or physicists know this is uh, Pierre Simon de Laplace. He basically said randomness, Laplace, yeah. He basically said randomness is an imaginary concept. Randomness is not real. Randomness is a word that people use when they don't understand all the variables. It is just a reflection of your own ignorance. So to give you an example, when a doctor does a procedure and they make the incision and they do everything, to all of us that are non-doctors, that seems random. But to the doctor, that's not random, right? And it's a similar thing with when we talk about uh, the, the order of the universe, basically. To us, it seems random, right? Because we don't understand, we cannot comprehend all of the many infinite number of variables that are going into how everything operates. But if you were, I don't know how else to say this, like you took Allah's perspective. I mean, you can't, but like, you understand what I mean. If you were in Allah's perspective, it's not random to you. Everything is aligned like a chessboard, just going straight. Perfect. <laughs> and um, I guess the whole, the whole reason I was bringing this up is I think one of the failings that many people try to do is they don't look for the patterns in their in the in nature in the universe. They try, they think they look at 
a very superficial view and think, oh man, everything's random. It doesn't make sense to me. Why is Allah doing this? Why is Allah doing that? Why is he picking on me? Why is why do I have an auntie that's making horrible brihani? Why is he doing this? Um, and we don't really engage with the Quran that way. And even if we do engage with the Quran, it's a very superficial view. Like when this this sort of specifically when it talks about the stars or the moon or whatever, right? Someone might read that and, like, oh, and the multiple stars. East, they'll be like, oh, this must mean that Allah's talking about multiple stars and like astronomy and stuff, but they won't think deeply about it. And even if you look at the surah, so if you go like to like I have like around 150, I have 150, or 150 through 160, when uh, Allah describes how the Prophet will ask the disbelievers, so why did you? Uh, why did you call the angels the daughters of Allah? How foolish are you? Like, did you not think, did you not reflect that this doesn't make any sense? Right? And I don't know, I don't want to be too overly harsh, but I don't know if most of us really have that type of engagement with the Quran to see those kinds of patterns. Like, if, and I'm not saying to solve the questions, we can't solve the questions, but if the questions don't come up in your head, like the Quran's not just a book, it's supposed to be your companion. I don't if you don't ask it, then I don't understand what you're getting out of it then. Except you're just repeating like a parrot, you know? Like I'm I'm sorry, but that's just what it is. Exactly right. here. And let me actually let me do this. Let me get back to this. Let's say something else. Come on. And then I'll show that. Um a few things that you said about you know, I I I said what I want to say. I think we take inventory of ourselves. You know? mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if, if it's that complicated to believe in Allah and try to follow the path. I think to me it's simple. It will make me safe. And if we follow the path, let me just say, when you go Hajj or you go to Mecca, where we supposed the holiest of the holiest to fight in front of the Kaaba, to touch the Kaaba, to touch, you know. I think it's an individual thing for, for me, you know. Reading the surah, the direction is there. All the guidance is there. What do we do? What is evil? Where do we, where do we say this is the mistake we're making and leave out of the community also? But I think it starts, I think it starts from taking me to probably 80% of ourselves, do better, and then for me together, we come together to do better. You know, that's my take on it. You know, I think, you yeah, know. Really I'm going to say something else about that too. So, Jazakum Allah, Alhamdulillah, Barakum Allah, And um, first, um, so let me comment on something related back to Shazam's question of potential. You know, one of the things I'm thinking, and you brought something now, is that you can see it. Most of us are thinking when we think of potentials, we have to think of big projects. Isn't it true? It has to be something big, right? Even accomplishment in general, we often measure it in magnitudes of with a physical appearance, something big, substantial, affects numbers. Allah doesn't measure things that way. Remember Surah Yasin? When he spoke of those three messengers, how many people did they produce? Faithful. One person. This person who was commemorated in the Quran, how many people did he impact? Probably. No, initially zero, but then later generations start this story. See our point? So it's amazing. We know what we're missing in the opera. Potentials are not just about attaching to something materialistic and physical, kind of as a physical mission. 
Allah says, I put in you, He endowed us with even qualities from Him. Like Allah put in us seeds. If we water these seeds in us and exercise them, we're going to become like angels. And what are they? They're having to do with character. So most people, while we talk about big things, they're not even able to say thank you to someone, to be loving, to be affectionate. Aren't these the attributes of Allah? Like, point, point is, when we start to practice these, these essential qualities of, of, of mercy, as you said, just be, how am I going to be lining up if I'm, so there's some people who are so busy with the line. By the way, the line is important. I'm going to be even checking shoes with the Sunday school. I do this with the Sunday school a lot. Everybody's going to line up. Everybody's going to put their shoes on the rack, right? Because if they don't understand this, we're not understanding anything. But you know what the problem is? Some people are like so busy. Have you had those around you who step on your feet all the time? Because they're trying to line up the line. Stop hurting me, right? You're not even supposed to even bring your feet that wide, by the way. It's the shoulders. They don't understand. But they're so busy with the rule, they forgot what? The heart and the soul and the character. Like, oh, talk about missing the substance of our message. Be merciful. Be caring. Be patient with people. Smile. Allah promotes us and says, you don't have realized potential starting in these things. If we've done nothing but serve Allah through that, Wallahi, the community will change. Just exercising mercy and rahmah between each other, right? Love. You know how easy it is to speak of love? Most of us don't know how to love someone. How to show them affectionately that, express it to them, make them feel encouraged. We're so busy with the sharia, we missed out on the ultimate goals of sharia, which is to make us merciful, make us loving. Point is that these simple behaviors then some will allow us to start discovering more and more of our capacities. Allah's all mercy. Like the number one rule from Allah is be merciful. Be merciful, and you will receive my mercy. When we're touched by the mercy of Allah, it makes you feel that you're attached to Allah. So it's an amazing thing. Again, talk about this very whole question of potentials. It's right here, it's happening. We just have to start taking the steps to exercise them, look within us at our capacities, practice compassion, gratitude. Practice, you know, uh, uh, kindness and respect to each other, right? Encouraging each other. Wow, that's how the life starts aligning. It's not just physical. It's one of the most alignments that Allah talks about in the Quran is alignment of hearts. And it's okay to differ mentally and cognitively, but not okay to differ way. Spiritually and in the heart. That's not allowed in the kingdom of Allah. So, why do I think for bringing up in the simplicity of it? One final thing on doubt. <coughs> Interesting. If you ask uh, again, grown atheists, you know how they explain the beginning of the universe? Just right. because they don't understand it, and the others don't, so they throw at them the word. It's random. It's probably a mistake. And people are like, oh my god, scientists, you know what he's talking about. But because they don't understand it, and they don't want to understand it, and they'll never understand it. You know what Allah says actually in the Quran? I didn't make you witness the creation of the heavens and the earth or your own creatures. You're not going to really understand it. You get pieces of it. Meaning that it's set already. So no matter what, you cannot attribute it to randomness because it's a failure actually of the mind to just understand the perfection of it. And we'll never understand the perfection of it. So this time we say, I surrender to Allah. He knows and knows. Oh, fits together. There's no other way to get a piece except that.
Not a whole lot And thanks for the applause note again. Um, and just a lot of don't forget about tomorrow. Please look at ICP yesterday. Um, a note was sent on actions for tomorrow. At a minimum, I know you're busy, you have work, so write the letter. Very simple. The link is there. Just say, I can't believe you guys took the eight out of this Muslim, a pair of kids who are Muslim. That's it. Three lines. <coughs> so go ahead, sister. Here for the state of Maryland, um, as a representative of the Middle Eastern community. So, I, I can like write an email to um, Governor Hogan if that helps. Um, I don't know how that That's helps. That's relevant to the governor, it's Montgomery County Public School, the school board. Okay. So, on your part, you should, what I would do for you, I would send to your circle, everybody should do it, even if it's three, four friends, okay. including your children, write letters on their behalf. I don't care. Like, I would, however, send. Saying that you are representative of this to show the, the, the influence you have. Okay. I say, as a representative, blah, 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 I'm writing out of concern and, and dismay that this is happening after we make progress, we're going backward. Just say, we're going backward here, right? Well, who are the counties responsible for? Board of Education. The board, again, look at the ICB email that went out. I'm emphasizing because it's like, if we're not acting on these things, why are we gathering in the morning, right? SubhanAllah. So please, please send your letters. If everybody sends you, can you imagine how many letters you can send? Inshallah. One final thing on, on um, the Quran. My sisters, that's why we come. We have different capacities also. Yeah. Ability to extract. A lot of people have different abilities, potentials. But what he's saying is when you engage the Quran, I will surely open up oceans of existence. For sure. And part of what we call Sunday morning is to learn from each other. Do you think I'm just sitting teaching? I'm listening to you a lot. I say, I'll open my heart to what they're saying because ocean of knowledge and reflection, that's what's beautiful when it's done together. We learn now the tools of how to engage the Quran together. So that it's not just do's and don'ts. So it's not just words and it's literal meaning. We're now learning how to deeply engage a verse, a word, and learn how to Look at the spiritual meaning of it. Look at the metaphor. Look at, does that make sense? It's a, it's a methodology. And when you learn it more, you yourself can go now and start reflecting, but it demands that you spend time with the verses. That's the key. You don't do this, you're not going to extract the deeper thing because you're going to gloss over it. You'll get one meaning and you missed out on the rest. Go back, keep going back. Some of the Sahaba used to read one verse in the in a, in a, in a raka over and over and over and over the one verse. <laughs> Can you spend spending half an hour with one verse in a salah? It's perfectly okay. Like imagine, alhamdulillah, 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 because they're reflecting. They're not just saying it. One verse, a whole raka. That's what they, some of them used to do. Wow, that's deep, right? So anyway, love bless all of you, inshallah. If you have any questions about the hearing tomorrow, please talk to me. Request for du'as. First sister, Lala. Thank you for the reminder, sister, Lala. She's still here. She's left. You know, her mother passed away. It's been a year since she passed away. She's asking us to be brought for her mother. May Allah bless her soul and surround her with her mercy and join her children with her in Jannah and Fadals. Allah, And there's also another small request for a very sad story. This sister... I think she's 19 or 20 in New York, uh, local family here, 
community members, they know them really well. Their daughter drowns. She's only 18. Poor thing. She went kayaking just a few days ago. And now she's at ICU, her brain's dead. Oh, like, I couldn't imagine, like, the parents having to go through that, right? Like, oof. They just thought of kayaking with her friends and drowned. She's still alive, but brain's dead. Yeah, luck here. And you know, give them strength and patience and endure this enormous you know, trial. May Allah heal all of us and grant us wisdom and knowledge and make our, our, our steps steadfast on this earth. And may Allah make us a source of illumination and light for others to guide them to Allah. May Allah guide our children, guide our families, and protect us from all harm and protect us from the evil of the devil. Allah, 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 Allah,